As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Gilchrist-Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? What's up, <laughs> Andrew? Oh, nothing much. Just uh, trying to get into the spirit of Thanksgiving over here. And how could you not? I, you know what I'm doing this year? <laughs> I am smoking a turkey for the first time. Mm. And I'm doing it on just a basic Weber kettle grill. Wow. You're watching some YouTubes to do that. Uh, yes, I'm brining it right now for nice. 24 hours. Nice. And tomorrow I will smoke it nice. using the Smokinator. Wow. An, an accessory for the Weber grill. That's great. Very excited. We uh, every year order a smoked turkey mm. from Green the Greenberg Turkey Company that burned down during covid but they're back. No. They're back. Gobblegobble.com. Not a sponsor, but go check Gobble, it out. Gobblegobble.com. Pretty great. And do they come, you just have to reheat it? Yeah. Yeah, it comes, uh, it comes frozen, so you got to let it thaw out. But um, it's delicious. It's great. I think this is like eight years running or something like that. We're a tradition. Doing, doing the Gobblegobble.com. Oh, yeah. It's great. Uh, any favorite Thanksgiving foods besides smoked turkey? Um. So I can't do dairy, and so for the longest time, I had just given up on mashed potatoes because mm. typically, you know, you got to put some butter in there, the butter, and you and, have the cream. And, and milk. You know, I would always use milk when I growing up. Yeah, man. I have since found a recipe that is incredible, and it requires no milk, it requires no butter, not even vegan butter. Mm. All it is is olive oil and roasted garlic, mm. and it tastes as good as any mashed potatoes I've ever. That had. sounds pretty good. And so that's my new fave. That's what I make like when we're doing Friendsgiving. Wow, nice. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I I go for the sweet potatoes. I go for the stuffing. I'm fine with turkey. Turkey's fine. Uh, yeah. Then eating any kind of pie. I don't discriminate. Lots. Any kind of pie is good for the most part. That's good. I have I have no dinner or no dessert prepared for my Thanksgiving dinner. None. 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 Wow. Sugar free. Wow, sugar sugar free for Thanksgiving. And you froze, Andrew. Uh uh oh. Andrew's frozen. I am not. Am I still frozen or am I back? No, you're back now. Okay, you're all right, good. Now. I'm like, what is going on here? I don't know why that's happening. Um speaking of I don't know why that's happening, the Thunder lost to the Knicks the other night. Uh yeah, Oklahoma it was City. it was uh a, a, a little a little disappointing. Yeah. Not, not like in the grand scheme of things, but just as a game, I have experienced that type of game before where you feel like 
yes, it's not their best offensive performance ever, but it's good enough oh, yeah. to end in a close game, and yet they just could not get a stop. And it wasn't at all. And, and it ever. wasn't for a, a lack of like defensive effort either. That's what I think too. Because I was when went back and was watching it, Jalen Brunson's shot chart was absurd. It was stupid. <laughs> he had he took uh I want to say it was twelve mid range shots. Yeah. And they were either floaters or they were like right at the nail. And he went eleven for twelve yeah, on those he, he missed shots. one shot from two. One. And stupid. they were all contested. Yeah, because I, I, when I went back, I was thinking in my head, oh, he, I wonder if Josh was guarding him a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if that's what I'm going to see. No. 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 It was like Kenrich and Dort every single Kenrich time. Kenrich and Dort, and Shea was like right on him for one of them that felt like, oh, okay, great, that's a stop. I mean, like I thought that as I'm watching it happen right in front of me. And no. And no. No. I mean, shout out to him. Did you see that? I, I retweeted it today. This guy, he uh, made a chart of all the teams in the NBA mm-hmm. and for each player who has had a season high in points against them they get one dot yeah and OKC was second in terms of <laughs> most players who have had their season high against them which you know in the Knicks game it was Jalen Brunson uh-huh. although RJ Barrett was only like two points off of his season Barrett high was awesome in that game. as well yeah and obviously you know going back like Javon Carter I think there were multiple bucks like Bobby mm-hmm. Portis I think had his season high mm-hmm. but yeah this defense is interesting what has happened mm-hmm. because yes, I went back when I was rewatching that going in thinking, I want to understand why the defense has gotten worse. Why yeah. are they suddenly because Bays is back now blocking shots Block had three, three blocks shot. in that game. Yeah. Three, three blocks in like his first six minutes of the game. And so I was trying to, and, and you, you can't base it on one game, but I was just trying to see, like, was there anything from that Knicks game that would clue me in as to what's going on? No, I don't nope. really feel like there was. No. Nope. And <laughs> I have some – and I even went back and looked at the stats. So I just want to give you some stats about what has changed. So I, I separated it into the first 10 games of the mm-hmm. season mm-hmm. and then the last seven games. Yep. I chose the first 10 games. Basically, that was when Bays went out as, you know, it's just any marker to choose. Bays mm-hmm. went out. The de- we seem to notice that the defense got worse. So in the first 10 games, they were 7th in defense, 27th in offense. In the last 7 games, 28th in defense, 4th in offense. So I had a complete flip on the offense and defensive end. Yep. Minus 2.4 net rating in those first 10 games. Mm-hmm. Only minus 0.3 rating in the last 7 games. Yeah. So they, they've overall been better in terms of you know points scored versus their opponents per 100 possessions. Opponent shooting. Now, this is where I expected to see some big changes. Here. Yeah. And in some respects, there were. The opponent shooting from three has gone from 34.7% up to 37.3%. That is basically all in corner threes, though, because the above the break threes are pretty close. It's 35.1 versus 36.4. Corner threes, though, opponent shooting has gone from 35.3% to 41.7%. Which is a pretty big jump. That's, that's a On big the other chunk hand, of points. Yeah. They are actually allowing fewer corner threes in this recent stretch. Interesting. Because that was one of the things I was wondering is like, are they giving up worse shots? Like, what does their opponent shot profile look like? Uh-huh. Honestly, it's arguably better than what it was in those first 10 games. Like they're allowing two fewer corner threes per game. Mm-hmm. They're res- what teams are shooting in the restricted area in these last seven games, 60.7%, that's the third worst in the NBA. Hmm. So they're actually doing well around the rim. They're giving up fewer corner threes. They're giving up more above the break threes. Really the only big change that I could see, just from like a general, like, you know, I didn't get into like nitty gritty type of shots, was just that teams are shooting slightly better on corner threes i guess that's i, I shouldn't say slightly better they're shooting better quite a that's bit six better. percentage points better yeah but at the same time there wasn't like some amazing drop-off like even things like deflections you know those are all holding steady like mm-hmm. some of these like hustle markers are all basically the same so i'll be honest i don't i don't really understand it just yet about because this isn't yeah. just like a slight drop-off this oh. is from one of the better defenses in the league to a bottom five defense in the league. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I'm guessing it's just like randomness, who they've played, 
I guess you just have to chalk it up to that. Or do you feel like there's something that's fundamentally changed about the defense? I just think that this is the way of a young team. It's like 10 games, you're going to have them play, you know, really well as a defensive team. The next 10 games are this, like the volatility of a young team is, is high. And to like predict what a young team is going to do from like game to game or from like this 10 game stretch to the next thing is like, it's impossible to like the range of outcomes is just ridiculous. Like you just can't really forecast it. Um, it is, but at the same time, they had a defensive identity last season before everyone started getting hurt. Yeah. You know, they were whatever they were, 12th. And then they got hurt, and it all started falling apart. Mm-hmm. This, like, those first 10 games, it felt like, okay, that what happened last year was real. It is now carrying over. Okay, let's go. Like, this, I'm going to assume that this team going forward is going to be a top-half defense in the league. Mm-hmm. And it just hasn't been the case... And on the flip side, like their offense has gotten so much better, so much better. That they, so much more. They have shown like a ceiling of their offense that they didn't have last year. Definitely, I agree with that. They had games last year where they shot the ball well, right? But in terms of, it always uh, felt like okay, that's cool, but that's not who this team is. Yeah, it always felt like a one-off or yeah. a two-off. And now we've had like pretty consistent offensive play for two weeks, and it feels. It feels good, I'll be honest. I mean, even last, or not last night, the game against the Knicks, like I said, that wasn't their best offensive performance, but it still was good enough. It wasn't like those performances at the beginning of the season where they're shooting, you know, like 11% from three or whatever it was. Yeah. They're just so much more fun to watch. I mean, and you look at the variance of just how they play quarter to quarter even, and I tweeted this out today, like their net rating by quarter is 23rd in the first quarter, 19th in the second, second in the third quarter in net yeah. rating in, on the season, and then back down to 28th. I mean, they're just kind of... I mean, they're just all over the place because this is, to me, this is a part of the story of... I think this will be just kind of the story of the season is we're kind of watching to track, like, oh, they're a good defensive team. No, they're a good offensive team. Then, like, maybe this next 10 games they'll be back to a good defensive team and their shots won't fall. I mean, this is just... This young team, I think it also has to do with the fact that they are really leaning into um, experimentation with lineups to where you're kind of getting different mixes and different teams. I mean, they put out, they called it, or Mark called it the bomber lineup. I, I barely got the words out. I was like, Mark, you put out this lineup at the end of the third quarter and goes, the bomber lineup. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and like they tried that. You know, it had Isaiah Joe and Lindy Waters in the lineup with Muscala, which, yeah. um, you know, get well soon, Mike Muscala, who broke his finger. feel bad for him. But, yeah, I mean, they're just – and why not? Like, why would you limit yourself to nine guys when the goals of the team are, like, well stated that development, like, is – that's the goal, right? Like, that's where they're headed – they're not going to lock into nine guys. They're going to be shuffling through guys. I mean, Usman Jang was like a huge part, or at least a, or at least at least part of the rotation. You know, the first Early few on, games, yeah. and then now he's he's been with the G League for two weeks. I mean, I just think, and I think that's going to be the case as we go through the season. They may cycle through two way guys. They may, who knows what they'll do? There'll be small changes here and there, but it's this is just going to be the way that it is. I think it's going to be up and down. I think they're going to have – I think there's going to be a stretch at some point in this season where they, the offense and the defense – oh, what's up, Hank? Um, really matches up. And then I think there's going to be times where they are like the 23rd ranked team in the league for four quarters for like five games. We're like, what's wrong with the Thunder? Well, you can you can go ahead and say – before this happens, before this stretch happens, they're the youngest team in the league and the second youngest team in the history of the league. Like this is yeah. what this is just kind of what they signed up for when they rostered this kind of team. Yeah, and I also thought uh, that Knicks game was a good example of how good Shea is because I don't think it it was one of his better games. 
Um, I think there were times during that game when he was missing a lot of shots that he has made throughout yeah. the early part of the season. Yeah, and you, and there was a part of me wondering, like, oh, is this finally catching up to him? Like this <laughs> this amazing finishing at the rim. And then you look up at the end of the game, and he has thirty points again. It's like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> it, did, it did feel <laughs> right. like that though. It felt like, oh, this is a down game from Shea, <laughs> you know. And th- he, the way that he's ascended is just, it's. It's something to behold, and as Thunder fans, like you you know it not only just because you watch him every time he plays, but if you're listening to national podcasts, like the Thunder are starting to get attention, and he's getting national recognition all over the place, and he's been that good. Yeah, in that game, he played 35 minutes, had 35 and seven, a block and a steal, uh, nine of 22 from the field, 11, or 12 of 13 from the free throw line. I mean. That was just kind of a ho hum Shea night, where it's like, yeah, he didn't play that great. <laughs> like he's thirty five and seven. <laughs> yeah, know? it's just, it's just absurd what he's been able to do. Um. So yeah. So tonight, right? Wednesday night, they're Wednesday playing night. the the Nuggets. Yep. Who had, I mean, probably one of the worst loss losses of the season. Oh yeah. They last laid, night they laid an egg to Alec Burks. Basically, yeah, Alec Burks and Bogdanovich, which it's so crazy. Oh my gosh, the, the four leading scores for the Pistons last yeah, night. I, I know I'm going to read Bogdanovich, them out. 22 points. Alec Burks, 21 points. Kevin Knox, the second, 17 points. 17. Marvin Bagley, the third, 14 points. That is who's scoring points in a win for the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> Who have won 63 games of the last three seasons. How is that even possible that that is who's scoring the most points on your team? I know. No, Cade. I mean, it's it's really bad. It's it was it's a really bad loss. And I know like the circumstances were that you had Murray and Jokic coming out of COVID protocols and they didn't even know if they'd be playing that night, but Jokic still had thirty and he almost he almost had a thirty point triple double. He's thirty one nine and ten. You have to beat that Detroit team. That Detroit team is really bad, you know. And it's I don't know. It also that Detroit team. It also points to like what are they doing, you know? Like what are we what are we doing here? Whenever you're and like trying to develop Marvin Bagley, that's kind of like a whatever thing to me. Like I just don't think he's very good. Yeah, it's your business. But I'm not interested. But the Alec Burks like. Trading for Alec Burks and trading for Bogdanovich and bringing those guys in, and they win you this rando game. Like, if you're this bad and Cade Cunningham sitting, I don't want any part of an Alec Burks Bogdanovich victory. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> don't do that to me. That is that is actually detrimental to the team because Alec Burks and Bogdanovich. I don't know. They gave him an extension, but it's kind of like a fake extension because it's not a long one. But what are they? What are those guys doing for you long term? I mean, we're talking about Cade in his prime. Bogdanovich will probably be retired by the time he's in his prime. I mean, this is. I mean, to me, it's just kind yeah, of wild that this is their approach. I just don't. I just don't get it. <laughs> and it's like cool you beat the Nuggets, but like long term, what is this doing for you? I I don't know. And they, you know, it's they're playing their young guys like that they have. I mean. Jaden Ivey playing 26 minutes a game. Like yeah. Jalen Duren's was at 26 at, in that game. Mm-hmm. I I guess it's just that once you take Kate out of there, those are really the only two guys that I'm like super interested. Did you see the report from Jake Fisher that <laughs> yes. Detroit is? I, I you never know with these reports who's releasing it, but yeah. so it could be framed in a way that it doesn't mean anything. Well, say, but, re, say the whole report, yeah. Yeah, well, let me get the exact wording because I don't want to. It's about um, Sadiq Bay, though. Mm-hmm. And the basic idea is that they are listening to offers. Yeah. Now, that could mean... No, okay, here it is. Detroit has taken early calls on Sadiq, Pe- Sadiq Bay from inquiring teams. So that just means that they've answered the phone. Yeah. But, but at the same 6 time, and 9 a.m., report. they're talking to people about Sadiq Bay. Yeah, early calls. Because I wonder if that means that the inquiring teams were, I mean, why would they tell Jake Fisher that unless they were a little surprised at the reaction they got from Detroit yeah. when they picked up the phone? Yeah. And if you're Detroit, I mean, Sadiq is a good player, but Sadiq is not a guy that's going to 
be the difference between you mattering and not mattering in the NBA. You know, he's not. But at the same time, like once you get past Cade, Jaden Ivey, and Jalen Duran, like I know what are, you, what are you super excited about? Like Bay would be the next guy. Yeah. yeah, I know some people are excited about Isaiah Stewart. I'm I'm whatever on Isaiah Stewart. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. It is weird. It is just it is just weird more than it is anything. You know, I, I'd be interested to see what they could get for Sadiq Bay because you know he's obviously still very young, and he has been a good three point shooter in the past. Although he did only shoot thirty five percent last year, yeah. But he but he did shoot thirty eight percent his rookie year. I think he set uh, he set some rookie records for threes. He scored fifty in a game. He scored fifty in a game. He's still only twenty three. I don't know. I'm I, I understand why teams are calling about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's big. He's beefy. He's he, beefy. He was good against the Thunder the other night. He was good. Yeah, I don't I don't know. That's a weird one to me. I mean, if I'm the Pistons, I'm not taking calls on like very many young guys or really any of those young guys. I just want to see it develop, you know. <laughs> I agree. It's just I I, it's just I guess the the thing with Detroit is just like imagine if Shea went out, okay, the Thunder would be terrible and they'd probably lose a lot of games, but yeah. you could see them winning a game. Yeah. If they did win a game, it's likely going to be because of young guys on their team. It would only like, be just because of young guys because they don't play any. They don't play any vets. And even if they do, it's not like Kenrich is going to go for you know twenty five or whatever. That that is just so weird to me. Like once you remove Cade from the equation, all of a sudden I'm like watching that Detroit team. Like what are we doing here? Like yeah. what what is the point of all of this? Yeah, but whatever. It doesn't matter. They're going to get a high pick. They'll get Wimbenyama, and and nothing will matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the Thunder could get Wimby. We don't know. We just don't we know. We don't know. We have no idea. We don't know. Yeah, they could have. They could have the worst record. I, I don't. I think Houston's gonna have the worst record. I think they're. I can see. I don't know how long Cade's out. Do they haven't said yet? Have they? He. They haven't. But there was a you know one of those Twitter doctors, yeah. but like a real doctor on mm-hmm. Twitter, mm-hmm. Uh, who was talking about how this could very easily turn into a season-ending yeah. type of injury if he has the surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if that happens, all bets are off. Mm-hmm. I think Houston has a real challenger at that point. Yeah. Houston is just, I, I watch them and think there's no hope. <laughs> there's no hope for a turnaround here. <laughs> this is, such I don't a think mess. so either. Although, I mean, you've seen what the Spurs have been doing lately. Yeah. Like what they've been doing is incredible. Mm-hmm. They, uh, Bruno Passos, who, who was on Saturday Slam and Jam, he mm-hmm. posted the, uh, net rating in the last 10 games in which they're one and nine they're a minus 16 which is like unheard of i mean in in okc's worst season which was two years ago i think they were like a minus 10.6 anytime you get to double digits that's like pretty bad yeah you were you were a really bad team yeah they were they're at minus 16 over this last stretch and it is so early in the season to be putting up those types of I mean, the 31-point loss to the Lakers. Yeah. And they're about to play them back-to-back again. I'm very interested to see what happens in those games. Lakers got to get those wins. Yeah, I. this is what's kind of befuddling to me about the way that people think about the Thunder and the way they think about other teams. Is like the Thunder have exceeded expectations from everybody almost every single year, yet... Like they get thrown annoyingly under, so. Yes, yet they get thrown under the bus every time that like tanking is brought up, and I get why. Like they've made moves that have been a little bit louder than some other teams, but the the fact remains that they have not lost as many games as Houston has. They have not been like so ridiculously bad at defense like some of these other teams have been. Like they continue to kind of be steady. Everybody knows what they want to do. Everybody kind of knows their goals, and they kind of just stay in their lane. Yet, like the the narrative, like swings so wildly with the Thunder. Where, I mean, we see them like now. Like Tasmelis on No Dunks today was like, they were like, "What th- what team are you thankful for?" Oh, I'm thankful for the Thunder because they're kind of showing all these younger teams what they should want to be and showing them the way. And everybody's got all these Shea articles and talking about all, you know, the, could the Thunder compete for the play in and. You know, but yeah. then like during the summer, it's like, yeah, this team is going to win 19 games or like I this know. team is terrible or with Chet out, like everything. I mean, I don't know. It's just funny the way that everybody, you know, acts around them 
And like, meanwhile, you don't really hear a whole lot from Mark Degnault. You don't really during the season hear a whole lot from Sam Presti. Like they just kind of fade into the background and like just kind of just plug along. And it's just well, it's just funny to me. It really is wild to go back and look at who they actually traded. And like, I, I wish I could be on one of these podcasts and ask them who should they not have traded. Yeah, should they not have traded Dennis Schroeder on an expiring, who's like basically out of the league on a minimum at this point? Right. Should it have been Ricky Rubio, who tore his ACL, basically out of the league? Danilo Gallinari, who was on expiring, out of the league. Kelly Oubre. Yeah, like Kelly Oubre, who's taking <laughs> the eighth most shots in the league. Can you believe that? And is clearly Isn't that not wild. Good. Like even Stephen Adams, who did eventually bounce back in Memphis, like that first year in New Orleans, like it, it was the same thing. Where it was like, man, I'm kind of glad they got off of Steven Adams at this point. Yeah. Really the only player who has like exceeded expectations that they traded was Chris Paul, yeah. who I think we all agree was never going to be here long term. The fact that he released that video the second exactly. they got the bubble ends <laughs> and it's like it's been great, you guys. Like this <laughs> literally been really like cool as time's running you. out in the fourth quarter, yeah. Chris is already like <laughs> recording this video. Right. Love OKC. This has been a super fun season. <laughs> So, like, I just don't know. And, and can you imagine if if this was a dumber organization and they had actually, like, you know, caught the bug, caught the playoff bug, oh brought gosh. back that team, how bad that would be for 24-year-old Shea to be surrounded <sighs> by all these old guys who at that point would be on terrible deals. We'd have the Donovan like, Mitchell situation in Oklahoma City right now. Without any of, like, whatever success Utah had. <laughs> yeah, and people are talking about Chris. Chris hasn't played most of this season. Yeah, true. And so, it to me, is just... Also, does Shea develop into this player, not given all the developmental time, given, like, the pressure that he, that they'd be under to make the playoffs? And right, like, yeah, Does he, he become this? Does I mean, we're, we're, we are seeing it in Golden State right now. All all five of their young guys are just cratering to the pressure of having to win. Oh my god! Did you see that stat? Uh, points per possession f- per post up. Oh no. no! James Wiseman was last in the league at point two. That's he's he's over seven feet tall, and he really is bad. Point two. Now, obviously, it's a small sample. And it's got to be. Yeah, it, it's it's got to be very. It's few. more just the absurdity of how low that number is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane, and they're all cratering. And some of it is like a lack of true developmental minutes for them, because they're they don't get time to develop. Moses Moody, whenever they just had their exclusively young guy night against the Pelicans, the I know night, that was a little disappointing. Moody's like not there. It's like what are we? What are you doing? Like this is a time to develop them, and they don't even get to develop them. I mean, it is that, that was a that was kind of an eye opening, yeah, loss that they had uh, because you know I, I respect them for you know wanting to sit those guys. Yeah, Kaminga shooting six for twenty, just just him and the the type of shots they were, and then Moses Moody only taking six shots in 33 minutes. I mean, I I love Moses Moody, and I still do like M- Moses Moody. And of those, all those young guys, I felt like, oh, this is the guy that most easily will plug into this Warrior system. Yeah, I thought and so in many too. respects, he has been that guy. But it's still like the fact that we're even questioning Moody at this point. I mean, those were like high value draft picks. Yeah, and right this second it feels like they've kind of screwed up at least two of the three and the third one's like, I don't, I don't know. It might be a little while longer, which is fine in some respects. But on the other hand, like man, for a team like the Warriors to get that opportunity and how it has turned out so far, granted they won a championship last year. So it ultimately probably doesn't. I would, I would rather be in their seat today because you, you, for get, sure. you get a title, you get multiple titles, you have Steph Curry, you have all this. Like, I'm not trying for to sure. say like, Oh, the Thunder situation is so much better than golden. State. No. what I'm saying is like in order to develop young players, you have to give them the room to have like these high variants. And uh, the problem with the Warriors guys, like they haven't had high variants. They've just sucked. You know, they mostly have. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've each had their own, like, great games that get blown up on Twitter. And in many respects, like, stick in your brain. I mean, I remember last year, 
the way people were talking about Kuminga on national podcasts. Oh yeah, way way more than Josh Giddy for the majority of that season. Yeah, no doubt. And I didn't quite get it, honestly, because I watched him too. Yeah, and it was just like, yeah, he physically, if you see him in person, like you're just like, wow, like that guy's got to be awesome. And he'll gotta he has be. he's got he's had moments. He had flashes last year where he played really well, but. I just don't like the his approach to the game. And like you can watch him now and say like, oh, he's not a Thunder player. You know? And if like you think that like James Wiseman, like, oh, maybe the Thunder should change for James Wiseman. We even talked about it last week. Like they're not gonna do that. He's like the opposite of a Thunder player. I like, can't make yeah, decisions. I, I, I was I was only thinking about it as like a galaxy brain. Like a value move. proposition. Well that you know? that as well, because he would put up numbers. Mm-hmm. And he's had moments where he's if you gave him minutes on the Warriors, he's put up numbers. They've just been terrible in those minutes. He could be our Moses Brown. And so, yeah, I kind of wonder if he would be (laughs) and could help them lose. (laughs) Uh, Because now, you know, as excited as I was for the start of the season, and I do feel like the team is significantly better than they were last year. Yeah. The fact that they can have a two-week stretch where they're top five in offense is just, like, absurd to me. Yeah, it's great. I mean, they're... This is the... this, This is, like, the all gravy year. And the, on, honestly, like next year will be this way too. I mean, to me, it's just no, these are these no. are years. These next are years, not gravy. These are next, next year. We want something, Andrew. I know, but these are these are still. There's nothing. This is the problem that the Thunder have with regards to like getting to be a winning team. Like, there's nothing you can do to make these guys 24 or 25 years old, except for wait. Like that's. And they're going to show progress. I think they're going to prob- they're going to make the play in before all these guys are twenty five or twenty four, twenty five. I think that they will, but that's when expectations like start to set in. And like Josh Giddy's twenty, you know, like he just turned twenty. And so to me, it's these are the years. Like these are the years of the buildup where there there's truly not real expectations. For them as to what they're going to do i think they're going to continue to improve they're better now than they were last year the record is about the same but they're not getting blown out and they've shown the ability to be really good on both ends you know i think that you're going to continue to kind of see this build up to the team and they want to and they have more players that matter they're going to have more players next year that matter you know this is this is a this is a year where it's just like yeah let's just let's see what happens let's see how they play i think making you know predictions for like the rest of the season is like good luck like i have no clue what they're gonna well, do i have no I, idea how they're gonna perform the rest of the season i have no clue they're they're too young they're too volatile i think what's changed for me is just looking at the west i mean the fact that there is a two game difference between 10th which is the minnesota timberwolves <laughs> at nine and eight and the suns in first place at 11 and six there's two games difference between those 10 spots i know like for for all the talk about, oh, this team is, you know, whether it's the Wolves struggling or the Mavs are struggling, like even someone like the Clippers, like you think they're struggling and then you look up and they're the four seed at 11 and seven. It's like all these teams are getting by. No one's having the bottom fallout season in the West other than the Lakers, yeah, which was kind of predictable. And the fact that OKC is only a game and a half up on the Spurs, the difference in their point differential, OKC minus 1.1. Spurs minus ten point two, mm-hmm. and there's a game and a half difference between them. Like it is not showing up in the standings how much better OKC has been this year. But I, no. I know they've been better. But just watching, them. which is also friggin' great for the Thunder, with regards to like the future, because like this next draft is going to be really good. Whether they're picking at nine, whether they're picking at five, or if they get really lucky, we don't know. But. If you can show this improvement and still have about the same record as the Spurs, that's amazing. Yeah. Like that's that is like that is the that's the dream scenario. That is the hashtag dream scenario. Uh, you know that's that's it. It probably is. I I just I feel kind of bad for the for the team because I feel like for like the players or for who. Uh, just because I think they easily could be like 500 right now. 
And what, for whatever talk there has been about OKC, it could be even greater. I know that sure. that ultimately doesn't matter in the long run. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're having the type of season where I'm, I'm trying to think of like a comparable team. I'm looking at the standings right Indy. now. Well, yeah, I mean, Indy. Indy is 10 and 6 right now. They've won five in a row. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think OKC is comparable. I mean, I think they're oh. probably a better team. Yeah, than, if, yeah, than if Indiana. You, yeah, if they like, if Indiana call and say, "Hey, you want to swap rosters?" You'd be like, "Yeah," or even no. if they had a seven game series, like I'm, I'm no. taking the Thunder. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that as for as nice as it's been to hear people say nice things about Shea, I think this team's been been even better than than what they've probably gotten credit for. They've yeah. been even better than that. Yeah. Um, no, I get what you're saying. I. I, I mean, I just think, I don't know. I haven't seen like a change in demeanor from anybody as the season has gone on from like the great games to, to now. Like Mark is like super pretty steady about how he feels about this process. Like he's very process oriented. And like, I don't know. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it's time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash dunk. That's linkedin.com slash dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I look at the, the upcoming schedule and think, man, this is... Yeah, December is pretty rough. It's a gauntlet. I mean, save for like a few games here and there. I mean, I can read you. They have this... They have a really long road, uh, uh, road stretch and then they play at home for forever, it seems like. But like, until basically January, it's Denver, Chicago, Houston, which is like probably the most cupcake part of their schedule. Then they have New Orleans, San Antonio, Minnesota, 
Atlanta, Memphis, Cleveland, Dallas, Miami, Minnesota, Memphis, Portland, Portland, New Orleans, San Antonio, Charlotte, uh, Philly. There's like five wins in there that I like. Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable with them beating Charlotte and San Antonio twice and beating the Rockets. Everybody else, I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, they're going to win games they shouldn't. Like, they may beat Memphis, you know, in Memphis on the 7th. You know, they may beat Cleveland in Cleveland. I don't know. They're going to win one of those rando games. But for the most part, they're already three games below 500. (laughs) where Uh, where Where do we honestly think? That they will be, come the turn of the year. So if, if you if you include the January third game against Boston, I think that's twenty games. Yeah. In that twenty games, like if they went eight and twelve, I think that'd be a really nice run. Yeah. Because yeah. that would be basically beating the teams you're supposed to beat, and then getting like three additional wins in games that you probably aren't favored in. Yeah. And so then they'd be what seven games below five hundred. Yeah basically in, in the new year which which doesn't again doesn't sound as good as the way they've been playing because I, I do think they've been better in that I, th- I think what is interesting is when their schedule eventually does lighten up because like in february and who knows what these teams will look like now but that's when they play their three games against houston february 1st 4th and 15th <laughs> they've been like a two-week span and then they're eventually going to play some of these other bad teams like they still have games against detroit and stuff and even more games against San Antonio. I'm very interested to see how the end of this season looks in comparison to past years. Because if they just play it out, they will their their last two months of their season will have a lot more wins than it has in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you have to wonder about what's coming. On the good yeah. on the good side, if you, if you're someone who you know is hoping this team's going to continue to tank. I will say that the plus minus king, Kenrich Williams, I do not feel like he's having an amazing season, Andrew. That was one thing that stuck out in to me in that Knicks game. Mm-hmm. And just thinking more about his season overall, he just has not been the player he was two years ago. Mm-mm. He was, and you know, I was looking on cleaning the glass. One thing that stuck out was how many unassisted shot attempts he had two years ago. Yeah. And and I started thinking back like, oh yeah, he did. There were a lot of times where like Kenrich would just like <laughs> take the ball and do whatever he wanted with it and throw up a shot and he was really good at it two years ago. And his, that part of his game has slowly diminished over these last two years and his shot has not vanished like he's still shooting f- fine. I think he's at 33% this year. Mm-hmm. But he's not that shooter that he was two years ago. And even defensively, I was that was something that stuck out in that Knicks game. It wasn't that he was bad. It just like the defensive impact that we had seen from Kendricks in the past just wasn't there. Um, you know, like I saw a play where where RJ Barrett took him on and he just bounced off of him. Like mm-hmm. Kendricks just bounced off him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How, how have you felt about Kendricks? Uh, he's not been great, and yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, he's. He, I think what he provides more than anything right now is just like a veteran presence and like a work ethic for them. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It's hard for me to be worried about him. Like he's not. Yeah. Um, it's like, not worried. It's like two years ago. I understood why they played him over young guys because yeah. he was so good. Yeah. Yeah. And he like really was helping space the floor yep. as a three point shooter. Whereas this year, like I can kind of take it or leave it. Like if they want to play a young guy over him, mm-hmm. it's it's not going to like uh, offend me, and it, I I would totally understand because I think guys like Wiggins or J Dub are oh. giving you close to what Kendrick is doing. I would just kind of rather play those guys, anyways. Yeah, I mean, I I would too. Yeah. I continue to be fascinated by J Dub's on off numbers, which I know is like small sample. Yeah, and I tried to dig into the numbers to understand why is it so bad, and I have no, <laughs> I can't explain it. Like, it's not just offense or defense. Like the, the Thunder play significantly worse offensively and significantly worse defensively when he is on the floor for whatever reason. Like even more so than any other player. Yeah, for both sides of the floor. 
It doesn't. And it doesn't quite match the eye test because when doesn't. you like, when you watch a player, Knicks like, game. oh, he's really look at him. He's like doing some really cool stuff. Like he can drive. He can look at the passing. Look at the look at the, his length. Like he, oh, he held up really well in Julius Randle in that possession. You know, yeah. If anything, he's the player that I come away from games most often feeling, man, I wish we could just. I just want more. Like, yeah, I want more possessions for J Dub. I want more opportunities because his arsenal right now, the way he's scoring. There's so many different ways he's doing it right now. Mm-hmm. And so I want more possessions so that he can kind of explore that. Um, and in that Knicks game, like, yeah, I thought he played really well. And then you look at the box score and it's like team worst plus minus, which I know <laughs> it's single game plus minus. But it's, it just feeds into this idea like, what is going on? Why is this? When is this going to catch up with my eye test? Because he <laughs> he looks good. I think he he's one of the good. better players on the team. Yeah. No, I think he's been I think he's been really solid. And there's been some like like flash moments where like, oh, huh. Like he can be he can be a really good player. And you can just plug him in wherever you want. Yeah. I don't know. I like I like him. I I honestly don't do anything with that number. I, I don't either. I just want it to change. I'm I know. sick of looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, and there's also the thing, and I think I said this on Monday, where you look at the plus minus and and this is just, I guess this is a credit to Sam and his people that just, like, they've done a good job drafting, and I like almost every player that's on the team, you know? And it's like, well, well, that guy yeah. should be positive. That guy should be positive. Well, somebody on this 7-10 and 10 Thunder team is going to be negative, you know? Somebody yeah, but- on there is going to be, and who's it? Like, who is it, you know? I know that, you know, maybe Darius Baisley is, like, the, if we're talking about, like, approval rating of Thunder players, he's probably at the bottom, but... He's been their most impactful defender, according to the numbers. I don't think that that's true, but he's been one of their most impactful defenders. And you know, he's he's definitely not one of those guys. He still had he still had those moments where you just know. And I I even turned to to Joe as he's jab stepping and said, "It's Basley time." And you can just see him just wind up and just drive to the bucket with just like no real plan as to what's going to happen. And I felt like that Knicks game, though, was the first time now that I went back and looked at his game log where like he actually was getting the foul calls. He got a because one foul a- call. I felt like he got bailed out like pretty like, that's pretty heavily. Yeah, that's the thing with Bays. Like in my head. I feel like he's actually pretty good at getting to the line. But then you look at his game log. Never. And that that was far and away his best game in terms of getting to the line. And so, yeah, it kind of worked out for him in that, although it didn't because he shot three of seven from the line. Yeah. But yeah, he, he, the one after uh, he had the big block and then he came down. And that, that was like one of the most base time plays <laughs> I've ever seen. It was incredible. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Um, but yeah, layout. There's no like Kyle Singler, okay? Yeah, there's no where there's someone on the court and you're just like, come on, this is not working. What are we doing? <laughs> no, I like I like all the guys. There's and like you said with the guy like J Dub, I'm like I want I want to see more. And when Jang comes back to the Thunder, it's like yeah, I want to see as much as possible. Um, Alex Bolajack asked, do we need to be 500 for Shea to make the All NBA team, or does he That's just a- need to play 70 games? That's a very professional picture from Alex. Did you see that? Yeah, let's put nice, that back up there. Nice headshot. That Look at a that. Great headshot. Look at that. Um, you know, I was actually going to go back through and a- answer that question for myself because I wanted to know. Like, w- w- this always comes up mostly around All Star Game. Like, yeah, how many guys do you want to choose from bad teams? Mm-hmm. I don't have a good sense of how often that happens for all NBA. Like how yeah. often a team that has, you know, like 25 to 30 wins gets a guy on the all NBA. I'm assuming it doesn't happen that often, but I'm sure there are cases of it. Well, last year it didn't happen. You know, third sure team is happen. Towns, LeBron. I mean, LeBron, but he's, <laughs> but he's LeBron. Uh, Chris Paul, Trey Young, Siakam. And then DeRozan, Curry, Durant, Morant, Durant, Morant, um, Embiid. And then first team is Tatum, Booker, Jokic, Doncic, and Giannis. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal. If the Kings make the playoffs Mm -hmm. and De'Aaron Fox continue playing the way he is, people will take De'Aaron Fox over Shea for third team if the Thunder have like 27 wins and the Kings are 44 wins 
and making the playoffs for the first time in 16 years. Like that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, no question. As and, they as they should. Yeah, I think this all-star selection is going is getting spicy, Andrew. Yeah, it's going to be Because there really are so many guards mm-hmm. in the West who are playing well right now. And like it's in Salt Lake City, so you know a jazz guy is going to like Larry Markinen's probably going to be an all-star this year. <laughs> if you have he something like it, last if year, can, if they continue to play like this, yes. Yeah, he, and, and yeah, I'm just saying, like he absolutely should, but that's taking a spot. If Aaron or Aaron Wiggins, now that now that's <laughs> Aaron that's Wiggins, what we got to start. We got to start that campaign. Uh, Bradley Beal ha- and Bradley Beal. Well, they're closer to five. This is still the bubble year, twenty twenty one. The Wizards were yeah. thirty four and thirty eight, and Beal was third team All NBA. Yeah. He was also a scoring leader that year too. So like you got to do something kind of crazy to get there. Okay, continue. Sorry. Um, I was gonna say if if you have something crazy like Andrew Wiggins getting voted as a starter happen yeah. again, yeah, there's no way. I like I I think Shea's gonna be screwed. He might be at the end of the day because there's be. just so many guys in the West. Yeah, and there's so many guys who are just going to get in like. Anthony Davis is going to be an all-star this year. Mm-hmm. Like he's playing really well. Oh, he's awesome. And, and yeah. he's going to get voted in. Mm-hmm. LeBron's going to be an all-star this year. Like it, Devin Booker's going to be an all-star. Mm-hmm. So I'm already preparing mentally for Shea to get screwed out of the all-star. <laughs> Especially if, you know, we just went over their December schedule. If yeah. they come out in January and they're, you know, eight, nine games below 500, it's not going to shock me, Andrew. Yeah, I'll be mad about it. He'll, I promise I'll be mad about it. He will it, deserve to be there. He there's, will deserve to be there. Yeah, there's no question. He's an all star. The well, I'm trying to find one. I'm at fifteen, sixteen. I haven't found one yet. Andre Drummond was <laughs> a all, guy for a bad team. Andre Drummond was all NBA in fifteen, sixteen. No, that's wild. Um, no, that's crazy. But they went forty four and thirty eight. The Pistons did that year. Yeah. Would so you would you have remembered that Andre Drummond was an All NBA player? I only knew that because someone was brought it up very recently on some podcast. Really, I mean that to me is that asking is, basically the question you just asked. <laughs> that is mind blowing. I know. And 14, the league has changed. Fourteen fifteen, Demarcus Cousins was second team All NBA. I'm trying to find the. That, the I wonder record. if that was the uh, the Mike Malone year. Or the Dave Yeager year? Yeah. Um, let me find it. Fourteen, fifteen. Um, yeah. Yeah. So- I I don't know. Is it? It's tough. I'll say it is really really tough to make it. Um, fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, they were twenty nine and fifty three. Twenty nine and fifty three. The Thunder could be twenty nine and fifty three. They could. Yeah. Oh, and think about All Star like. Guarantee you someone from Portland's making it. It's probably yeah. going to be Dame. There's another guard, yep. even, even if he's out. Or it's going to be Jeremy Grant. Somebody uh-huh. from that team's going to make it. Yeah, they had three coaches that year when he made All-NBA. Michael Malone, Ty Corbin. Ty Corbin. And George Carl. George Carl, yeah. Yeah, that is pretty wild. Yeah, he was 24, 12, and 3.6 for the season, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, um, that's like the only precedent, and that's like a, that's a long time ago. And there weren't as many good players in the league in fourteen fifteen as there are today, too. Are you saying we need fourth team, fourth team All NBA? <laughs> let's water it down, people. Let's let's make it less of an accomplishment. Not hey, honestly though, if they if they do expand to thirty two teams, yeah, doesn't something have to change? Because like the talent of the league, and at that point. You're going to be excluding so many teams in the All Star Game every mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, we talk about this every year. Like, there are way more deserving players than twelve per conference. Yeah, you could expand it to fifteen and be just fine. That's all. No one cares about the game, anyways. No one. Uh, did you? Well, I, mean, I know you did, but uh, Thunder Film Room posted the clip from the Boardroom podcast. I listened. I actually went back and like listened to the actual podcast. Oh, uh, et cetera's with yeah. KD. Yeah, and. Uh, so was he asked specifically about OKC or just like young teams that he's been watching? Asked about Shea to start oh, okay. with is how the conversation started. And it was about a conversation, an off-pod convo that oh. was had between them where they were ranking players. 
but they wouldn't reveal their, their rankings. rankings or whatever. Yeah. And they wanted to, quote-unquote, give Shay his flowers. And so they started to do that. And as they're doing it, like, they're... <laughs> They just start talking about OKC and how great things are in OKC. And he mentions Pokushevsky by name. One, he says, <sighs> it was hilarious to me that he said a six His foot... full name. Uh, well, that. And he's a six foot nine player that, you know, is a good shooter. He's this, he's that. Like, it's just funny to me that Kevin Durant, who never wanted to be listed as like a seven footer, right, also yeah. will not list Poku as a seven footer, which he is. You know, and How dare that he. part was kind of funny to me. Um, but the fact that he mentions all these guys, like Giddy's going to get paid, and you know that he mentions Jalen Williams, he mentions Poku. It was just like Dort. I mean, it was just like wow. And of course, that that is followed by you know, there's there are many great artists on. Uh, under Twitter, and they start mm-hmm. making these little mock-ups of Kevin Durant wearing the jersey, and oh, it's just really funny to me, you know. But it was it was cool. It's cool to get shout-outs, especially from Durant, who I don't know. I mean, he's far enough removed from his situation with Oklahoma City, but for other player, for other active players to look over at Oklahoma City, which have been, I mean, they've been mocked for years now about how their rebuild's gone. Um, for Kevin yeah, to look I, over I, and like admire it is really something. I thought it was specifically interesting how he brought up the way they played. Yeah, as like a, a big he brought up Mark. Group. Yeah, because obviously that was one of the things that came out over and over again in every like random mini interview he did since leaving OKC. It always felt like he was taking shots at the way they played when you know Scott Brooks was the coach. Right. So. He's obviously been on the trade block recently. Put Andrew. himself on the trade block. <laughs> he put himself on the trade block. Uh, they just lost to the Sixers without Harden and Maxi. Um, and Embiid. Though, oh, Embiid wasn't in that game either. No. And they uh, they had all their guys, like Kyrie and Ben Simmons. Yeah, they're full strength. Andy. Yeah, they played terrible. Uh, so... The question is, you know, if they get to the end of the season, you know. he's he asks out again. One, yeah, would you have any interest in proposing a trade deal to the Brooklyn Nets to bring Katie home? And how would you and how do you just feel about the idea of Katie coming back in general? No, that's how I feel about it. Like, no, no, why not? He's thirty four. He's thirty four. He's ten so years what? he's ten years that's, older than Shay. The team isn't ready yet. I mean, this is be, this be like a conversation that we were having about the Warriors earlier. Like, who on the Thunder outside of Shea and maybe Lou is ready to win basketball games? I would say nobody. Yeah, but yeah, but still, it would be cool. Would it be cool? <laughs> yes. If it yeah. were three years from now, yeah, that would be great. Hey, three years from now, he'll be thirty-seven. I'll bet he'll still be good. Bring him back as a free agent if he really wants to be here. I don't want to give up a bunch of assets. Just let him come over and be our old man power forward next to Chet. And okay, uh, so there's like no increase. realistic package no. that you would be willing to no to give up for Kevin Durant. No, because no. it would still probably take like a decent number of picks. Oh, you'd have to give up Josh. Young players. You have to give up Josh, and you have to give up picks. And the answer is just no. Okay, let me ask you this question then, because this was proposed to us by at 405 fan on Twitter. Okay. You have a deal in place for a star. So mm-hmm. let's say it's a non KD star. It's it's someone you're excited about. Yeah, it better okay? be a non KD star. Yeah. You can either give five of OKC's own first rounders and swaps into the future. Uh-huh. Or five of the main Rockets Clippers picks and swaps you have left. Mm-hmm. Which are you trading? Their own. Their own. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're feeling confident enough in those, in OKC being good and those picks having less value. Yes. Yes. And they're, okay. and the, like, there's just going to, I mean, who knows? What are, what are the Clippers and Rockets going to be? How crazy is that, though, who to knows? think that this team might get to that point? Because we've talked about our own picks as just like non negotiable. Like, you yeah. can't even bring them up. Yeah, like, you know, the I, we would never trade our own picks. Mm-hmm. And now we're at the point where we can see into the future long enough to say there's going to be a point where it actually makes sense to trade those picks in favor of some of these other ones. Yeah, starting in like 24. Yeah. I would be like, yeah, 
Yeah, I would. I'd flip a Thunder pick rather than a Rockets pick or a Clippers pick. Yeah, yeah. there's no doubt. There's no doubt about it to me. Um, hey, man, it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah, I think. I mean, this is this is the thing. Like again, this is the gravy year. This is the this is the season where like you just can sit back and enjoy it. And if they win, that's great. Winning is enjoyable. We've seen that this season. Like that game winner from Shea, incredible. That was one of the most fun nights that I've had as a NBA observer in a long time. And then if they lose, go watch a little bit of college basketball because there's some really really good players outside of of Wimby and Scoot, which is the only thing that NBA podcasters know how to say. Wimby and Scoot, Wimby and Scoot. But there are a lot of really good players in college basketball this year. And if you can get somebody, I mean, that's somebody in the top five. I mean, you you're getting so much closer to being set, like as your your roster being set, if you can do that. And then you, and then, and then, you start getting the Rockets picks the next year. So, yeah. to me, like, just like this is just a, a year where it's like, sip, like, just enjoy like the whole ride because one, there's a lot of really great players. No matter who's in or out of the lineup, there's always somebody to watch that's really fun. And then they have, I mean, they have a real chance to be really good. Um, I got to go because I'm having some sick kid problems at Whoa, my house. Whoa, I hear them yelling. So um, hope you guys have a great Wednesday. Uh, have a great Thanksgiving. Really thankful for all, for all of our listeners. Um, we will talk to you guys again on Friday.